Hello, I'm Jared Manning, a pastor at Grace Bible Church in Clute, Texas, and I want to welcome you to the audio version of our Systematic Theology course. This is part of our Grace Seminars, held one Saturday each month from 8 a.m. to noon. We'd love for you to join us if you're able. Uh, you can find dates and register at connect.gbctx.org under events or on our Facebook page under events. There's no cost to join, and breakfast and class materials are provided. And we recognize that not everyone's schedule allows you to attend, so we want to make these available to you via podcast. I hope you enjoy this course on systematic theology. So let's jump in. What is systematic theology? Our word theology derived from two Greek words, theos, which means God, and logos, which means word or message. So theology is the study of God or the word or message about God. When we speak of systematic theology, we mean the orderly arrangement of the study of God into logical or topical divisions. For example, what does the Bible say about creation? The practice of systematic theology is to gather all the texts that deal with creation, interpret them within the broad storyline of Scripture, and then summarize them in a faithful and coherent manner. For example, throughout this course, we're going to look at the attributes of God, the doctrine of the Word, the doctrine of creation, and salvation, the person of Christ, and so on. So why do we study systematic theology? First and foremost, we study systematic theology for God, for God's glory. God is glorified when we seek to know Him. Philippians 1, 9-11 says, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the objective of studying theology is to come to know God better and to increasingly learn how to please Him. And 1 John 2.3 says that we know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. So first we study for God. Secondly, we study for others to corporately reflect Christ to others. As the body of Christ, we study theology so that the church can be an accurate reflection of God to the world. In a time when the very concept of truth is called into question, the church needs to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. For it's through us corporately, it's through the church, Paul says in Ephesians 3, that the manifold witness of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Thirdly, we study systematic theology for us, for our individual sanctification and growth. Individually, we must study theology so that we may be sanctified and grow in the knowledge and faith. We don't just want to know about God as though He can only be known at a distance. No, we actually want to know God personally and to have a relationship with Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1.7. Truth fuels our worship. Or another way of saying it is, theology sparks doxology. It's good to ask if our worship feels shallow, could it be because we have a shallow theology? Without theology, there's no fuel to the fire 
of our worship. Um, enduring heat doesn't come by seeking more sparks. In, in worship, often we feel um, that we need a different experience to drive our worship deeper. So we'll seek sparks like a, a different motivational speaker, um, maybe going to a cool new conference or a great musical sound from a band. We, we're always chasing the next experience to drive our worship deeper, but really enduring heat comes as we pour the truth of God's word into our souls. What God's people most fundamentally need is a grand vision of God. That is what will drive us deeper in our worship. So let's not have a shallow theology. Let's have a deep theology that fuels our worship of God. Fourthly, um, doctrine matters. We should study theology because doctrine matters. Being a disciple goes beyond making a one-time decision. Hear what Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. That word teaching there is translated doctrine, most literally. If you hold to my doctrine, you are really my disciples. We can't just make up what we think God is like or imagine that he will approve this or that. If we did, too often, he would just look like us. Perhaps that's why Paul warns Timothy, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4. It's the temptation of fallen man to determine our own theology, much like a lunch buffet or a fantasy football team. If you've ever watched a child at a buffet, their plate is not full of broccoli and grilled chicken. Their plate's going to be full of things like mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and pizza, all the things that might be offered. Uh, or an adult uh, building a fantasy football team. We pick a quarterback from this team and a running back from another because we're trying to put together our idea of what a perfect football team is. That's what many people do uh, with theology. But the Bible grants no Christian the right to pick and choose which biblical doctrines he wants to believe or throw out. The Bible talks about hell, so we need to talk about hell. The Bible talks about election, so we need to know all that the Scripture says about election. We study systematic theology because doctrine matters, not just in the sense that we need to hold to Jesus' teaching, but we also need to clarify what Jesus and the Bible do not teach. Is Mormonism compatible with Christianity? Does God promise his followers material prosperity? All of these questions matter. So why do we study systematic theology? We study it, number one, for God's glory. Two, so that we can corporately reflect Christ to others. Three, for individual sanctification and growth. And finally, because doctrine matters. Now, having looked at why we want to study systematic theology, let's take a look at some key features of systematic theology. Systematic theology should have a few key features. First, it should be biblically grounded. Ultimately, every worldview appeals to a rule or a standard. Uh, find a, 
a final court of appeals when determining what is true. When it comes to matters of theological questions, the Bible is that rule. Uh, While that's the position of this class and our church, know that many would disagree with this claim. Roman Catholicism, for example, argues that the teaching of the church carries an authority at least on par, if not above, the Bible's own authority. The modernist elevates reason over revelation. They argue that the proper ground for believing a thing is not that the Bible or tradition are contained in it, but that reason and conscience commend it. Whereas the postmodernist denies the very ability to make an absolute truth claim at all. There's no capital A author who gives meaning and order to the world. Thus, there is no one story that defines our existence. There's no biblical meta narrative of creation to redemption. Rather, each of us are just left with our own languages, experiences, and equally viable versions of the truth. For the postmodernist, it's nonsensical to appeal to universal truths or the rightness of one religion over another. But the teaching of this church is that the Bible alone is the inspired and inerrant Word of God, finally and fully authoritative for faith and life. Now, we'll think about why we believe that in just a few moments. So first, biblical theology needs to be biblically grounded. Second, our systematic theology should be historically informed. That's not to say that the Bible takes a back seat to historical traditions as it might in Roman Catholicism, but it is to say that we don't do theology in a vacuum. We stand on the shoulder of giants. There are men and women for centuries who have gone before us, who have looked at the Bible, who have studied the text, and who have come to conclusions on doctrines of the faith. History has much to teach us, and modern-day evangelicals often forget this. It is good for us to look at what those who have gone before us have said and believed and trusted in our faith. And so um, we, we are good, we do good to be historically informed in our theology. Third, our systematic theology should be contextualized. Uh, we don't do systematic theology in some sterile lab. It's anything but cold and dry and clinical. Paul, for example, in Acts 17, stands in the Areopagus with these men from Athens who are worshiping all these different gods, and over in the corner there is a statue to the unknown God, and Paul contextualizes the gospel, and he points to the unknown God and tells them that this is the God of the Bible. This is the true God. We're to take the Bible's teaching in the same way and apply it to the pressing issues of our day. What does it mean to be male and female? Is there such a thing as truth? How do we define life? When does it begin? This has consequences for everything, from what we think of co-ed dorms to genetic engineering. Lastly, our systematic theology should be and must be lived out. Dead orthodoxy is not true orthodoxy. Remember the church in Sardis from Revelation 3.1. The apostle John wrote, You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. They were condemned for not living out the living word that they had received. So if you walk out of this class and your affections aren't stirred or your soul encouraged and your life changed, you're not doing systematic theology no matter how much head knowledge you have. 
hear that again. If you walk out of this class and your affections are not stirred to love Christ more, to love the word more, if your soul is not encouraged or your life changed, you are not doing systematic theology, no matter how much more you know. True theology is a living theology. It should strengthen your faith and make us excited to live for and obey God. So we want to make sure any systematic theology that we do is, one, biblically grounded, that it's historically informed, that it's contextualized, and that we live it out in our lives. That concludes our introduction to systematic theology in the next bit of audio we're going to look at the doctrine of the word. Thank you for joining. Thank you to the brothers and sisters of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. for generously providing the material for this study.